As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Still no girl from Ipanema, so it's me, Alison Rudd, welcoming you to the game from The Times. This is the second of six special shows during this year's World Cup from Brazil. Joining me in the studio is James Scowcroft, and down the line, all the way from Brazil, is Jonathan Northcroft, a.k.a. the Croft Brothers. And stay tuned for a special report from inside the England camp with Matt Dickinson. So, Jonathan, it's become a a regular item on the show. Uh, We want to know what you can see from your bedroom window. It's the same as last week, but with lots more people. It's a nice sunny, slightly cloudy, but mostly sunny day. I've got this beautiful bay in front of me, but uh, last week it was quite empty. Now there's Argentinians, Mexicans, Croatians, uh, fans from everywhere. Uh, A lovely fan park opposite us, which is um, all very good, except uh, at about 2 o'clock at night, because uh, the partying is, uh, is continuing. Last night it was the Argentinians jumping up and down and singing songs at some of the beachside bars, having a great time, but um, us professionals who had podcasts to get up for um, <laughs> maybe weren't quite so enamoured with that. But it's, it's fabulous here. It's wonderful. It's been surreal. We've had missing national anthems. We've had referees becoming graffiti artists and England entertaining us. But we're not going to dodge the fact that England lost their opening game. So let's work out why that happened. James Scowcroft. I think they were a little bit unlucky. I think, uh, you know, we'll all agree, the nation agrees that England played exceptionally well um, against a good Italian side. I don't don't think it's a great Italian side, but I think it's a good, I think it's well organised. I just think that it was just that final ball. England did really, really well. They they played through midfield. They've got some exciting players now. Sterling was excellent. I thought Danny Welbeck was excellent. Sturridge was excellent. They've got really, really exciting players. But it's that final pass, and this is the big thing in football. It's that they call it the red zone. When you get into the red zone, can we really be dangerous? And apart from one world-class cross from Wayne Rooney, you know that was a difference. If you look at Balotelli's goal, it's a wonderful ball in, and it's a great header. The free kick as well. It's a one, and it's fine margins, very, very fine margins when you come to the elite of football. And I think England were just a little bit short on what Italy were. Jonathan, did you did you get the sense that instead of being maybe too attack-minded, we weren't attacking enough. We didn't give it the full throttle. No, I, I, I thought England went for it as much as they possibly could. What stopped them going all out, I guess, was just Italy's ability to keep the ball. James is right, it's probably not the greatest Italian side, but where it is great is in midfield. Um, I mean, the quality of De Rossi, uh, Verratti, Candreva and Marchisio, and that's before you get to the great man Perlo. They just controlled the tempo of the game and at 2-1, I think a few 
right as I made the point today, at 2-1, they, they sort of controlled and closed out the game in a way that you, you knew England wouldn't have been able to do. There was just a maturity and a, a class about Italy in that area, which I think I think was telling. Um, and James is right that, that, that England did a lot of things right, but maybe lacked that, that little bit of killer instinct, which probably does come from maturity. I just thought it was a very good young side playing against a very, very good older side. Um, Italy deserved to win, but England did as pretty much as well as they could have done, except for maybe defensively. And, and if there was one sort of um, real weakness, it was, it was probably in the left side of defence, and that's that's the that's where you'd have to mark England down a little bit. But overall, it was decent enough. Would you would you agree, Jonathan, that the way England are setting up, quite like you know, attacking on the counter attack is very very hard. To, to use the pace that England have and the energy that they've got when they're behind and the Italians are just going to sit deep and just nullify any space for anybody to run yeah. into and then when they win it, they'll keep the ball and won't give it away. Do you, do you think yeah. the style of football that England are going to play and it probably will be similar to Uruguay, they always need to be in front so they don't have to chase the game? No, that's spot on. Absolutely, that, that, that struck me and, and I thought that, that one thing Roy could have done actually was to, to try and change things and maybe bring Wilshere on, go to three in midfield and play, play a different game because as, as you say, um, you, you can't counter-attack a side that are just passing the ball, keeping it, taking the, the sting out of the game and, and are just too canny to, to get themselves out of position. You need to be able to do you know, something else, a plan B. So that, 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 that's lacking in England at the moment. The best way of winning games it looks like rather like Liverpool last season for England is going to be trying to blitz teams from the start score early goals and and use sort of early momentum to see them through in the um preview of the England Italy game Jonathan you you said you were slightly nervous that that the way the 4-2-3-1 and the way that Gerard and Henderson would play together would just leave this huge gap for the talented Italian midfield to do what they wanted in and I, your words came back to haunt me as I watched that game unfold. Did you did you feel there was a certain naivety in that enough people had said how good the Italian midfield are that to give them that sort of space was odd? It, it, it did hurt England. I mean, I saw it more as Roy having a choice between trying to nullify the opposition or just accept that he couldn't do that and, and, and try and use England's strength. So to maybe be slightly more positive about it, I think it was just a... A case of saying, "Okay, you're going to have the midfield. We're going to try and we're going to try and hit you in the break." But you know, all the talk, all the column inches that we put into wondering how England were going to control Paolo. Well, after you know, for five minutes, Jordan Henderson did really well, won the ball off him a couple of times, and Paolo just having sized up the game, just dropped into a slightly deeper position and was untouchable for the rest of the evening. So you know, that was that one out the window. Um, midfield isn't going to be England's trump card at this at this World Cup. However, however England want to do it, it's, n- it's not going to be through controlling games there, unfortunately. Well, talking of trump cards, I mean the the card <laughs> quite a lot of England fans didn't want was was Wayne Rooney, and he seemed to be the the scapegoat for a lot of fans. I mean the the writers have been quite generous and and said you know, it's totally unfair to pick on him. But I wonder what we thought here, James. It's very easy to pick on one player, or do you think it? Well, there, there, there is some, there is something in it. Well, there, there is something in it. You know, you, you know, there's there's two ways of looking at it. Wayne is a great player. He is one of our best players. But you, there's a saying in football: you're only as good as your last game. And and this has been, you know, coming for a while now. And he's certainly not performing to the levels that we all know he can. Now, I feel for him. I think he's got the world on his shoulders. I think a lot of players 
with the the expectation that Wayne Rooney would would just go under. But to be fair, he, he's gone out and he, and he did do a good job off the ball. You know, I know it was hard. You know, the left hand side and, and he created a fantastic goal. You know, the cross he's put in is not many players can can do that. Pick people out there on on their weaker foot. I just feel with Wayne Rooney, if you look at his club career. He needs to play as the out-and-out centre-forward. And whenever he's done that for Manchester United, he's always excelled. Whenever somebody else has come in, i.e. a Robin Van Persie or even a Ronaldo at stage when he went and played as the out-and-out forward, Wayne Rooney suffers. Wayne Rooney sort of can play anywhere, but after a while, you, you don't score the goals that keep your confidence flowing and eventually you just get sucked in. And then people saying, well, what's wrong with him? He's not playing very well. And exactly the same has happened to England. You know, he's very, very, very versatile. So he's been played here, then everywhere. Wayne Rooney's best position is as the highest out and out centre forward causing trouble. So you drop Sturridge? Would no, you? you wouldn't. I would personally move Sturridge. I would get Sturridge on the right hand side, cutting in on his uh, left hand foot, or even play him behind Rooney. You know, I think Sturridge is very versatile. I'm very, very clever as well at getting the ball in tight situations turning and, and threading players in I think if you look at his him and Suarez's positions at Liverpool they interchange so much one comes short one stays long and this that, and, the other. and I think he could probably maybe be versatile as well but I think with Rooney now maybe leave Wayne out because I think he could make a real big impact coming off the bench as well but I just think Wayne just needs this sort of the shackles taken off and like I say see, but what, you've, what you've just said there James it, it makes perfect sense I see what you're saying but it's the sort of thing that that's why England fans get so angry because it's as though we're wrapping him in cotton wool why, why, should, why should Danny Sturridge with less experience be the one that you claim is versatile enough to drop from his favourite position but Wayne Rooney oh he's just not coping very well because you know, he's, if, he's, if you look at Daniel Sturridge Daniel Sturridge is in you know the form of his life his confidence is very high and Daniel Sturridge naturally drifts all over the pitch anyway not all over the pitch but in but his career sort of... stalled because he hated not playing as the out and ice striker no but I think he's got enough experience now to to, to and, and you'll have to you know that that's you, you have to as a modern day footballer you have to take up different positions I just think Wayne Rooney has really really suffered James who was your England player of the week apart from Raheem Sterling who was excellent I thought Danny Welbeck had a really good game you know, you you'll know. choose one you got to choose one okay James. I shall go for I will go with everybody else and Mr Sterling Jonathan I'd go for Sturridge, I think. I think Sterling was, was excellent. But for me, Sturridge is the most significant discovery England have made in the last yeah, five or six years, and it may be longer, because since Owen, they haven't had a, a really quick striker that can stretch a defence and get beyond, but also score. Um, and, you know, he's, he's much more than Michael Owen in, in, in many ways. You know, he's, he's, he's technically better, isn't he? Technically better, flexible, yeah. yeah, exactly. I just think he gives England another dimension, and it was a really well-taken goal. Um, and, and he looks so full of confidence at the moment. I'm going to give a shout out to Jagielka simply because I think everyone thought, is he going to be ready for England duty? And uh, his clearance was, well, it was almost as good as a goal. Okay, we're joined by Matt Dickinson. It's Monday afternoon and he's with the England team. Have you been allowed in to see training, Matt? Uh, oh, yes, they've been very generous, giving us our 15-minute uh, ration uh, this morning. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is uh, out there uh, running around, looking um, fairly fit and active, although I'd, I'd still be surprised if he starts for, uh, can start this week. But um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but it's about the most spectacular training pitch, um, in fact, football pitch I've ever seen. So um, we, we come along just to enjoy the view as much as anything. <laughs> so today, what are the conditions like, the weather conditions and so on? 
Oh, it's lovely. It's um, on when you've when you've got my lack of hair covering. It's um, it's definitely a day for Factor Thirty. Um, been very lucky so far, actually. Out here, it's been it's been generally fantastic weather. So, I'm sure that's contributing to everyone's sort of good good mood and um, the, the upbeat feel about things so far. Right. Well, that's interesting. So, it is is it upbeat there, or, or do you feel they're putting on an act for you, or is is the England camp genuinely feeling upbeat after a defeat? Uh, I think bruised um, inevitably after any defeat, and especially in the first game. But I, I think they're, I think from what I've heard, this reflects the view back home is is still you know, the glass half full. I think uh, the fact is that you know we've seen many England victories that were, that were sort of more painful to watch than that game. I think everyone understood what was trying to be achieved. Uh, it wasn't quite pulled off. There were glitches, um, some big, some small. But I, I think this is the. The nature of a team that um, they decided to go with, and, and I don't see any point in jumping off that ride now. It's you know it, it could end up England you know coming a cropper, but I think um, they, they're going with the strengths of the team, and I think most people see that that makes sense. Now, I mean, Italy are a, a very particular type of side. They're very classy, and they had someone in Perlo who it does seem is almost impossible to shackle. Uruguay are very very different. Is there a sense that they came so close? against Italy, it might just be a lot easier against Uruguay. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, if there was a debate to be had, it was that maybe against Italy they could have stiffened the midfield up a bit more. But obviously something would have been lost in the attack then. But, you know, that, that was the game. If ever England were going to be a bit more cautious, it was, it was that Italy game. If, if, if you try to sort of tone down the attacking approach now in games that we, we need to win, then it would, be, it would be coming too late. So, you know, we've... We, committed to this this approach and have to, have to stick with it and I, I obviously think that they think against Italy there were you know, chances but ultimately a, 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 a not great defence managed to um, restrain us certainly in the second half pretty well I think against Uruguay certainly having looked at that Costa Rica game England are pretty confident that they'll they'll get more and better chances and have you um, chatted to Uruguayan journalists and media? What what are their thoughts ahead of the England game? Well, not not yet. Ian, Ian Hawkey, our colleague, will be up there. Um, he's up there today in Belo um, Horizonte, which are, or however you pronounce it. My my um, uh, language skills are a bit lacking, but the uh, no, I think we'll be waiting to obviously hear the big news about Suarez. I mean, the fact that he didn't come on. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Tall in that game against Costa Rica makes you really think that he clearly must still be lacking a significant amount of fitness. Um, You would have thought that they'd have been desperate to give him at least a 10, 15-minute run out. A, to chase the game, and B, just to give him a bit of sharpness. Okay, finally, Matt, you were quite critical in the game on Monday about trial by Twitter for Rooney. Do you sense that that, that most of your colleagues are on side with you on that one, that that you feel that there's there's two camps, the people who are out there seeing him try his very best, and then the people at home who, for some reason, have decided he's the scapegoat? 
Yeah, I, d- I did think it, it's, it felt like scapegoating. I mean, obviously, we're out here and only picking up the, um, the sort of vibes from from home. But you know, Twitter's one measure, just the general sort of chatter um, that I heard seemed seemed to be that, that Rooney was. You know, people were watch, looking at the telly and swearing at him more than anyone. Now, you know, as I wrote here, you know, he didn't have an easy evening, uh, and he never will in that role in particular. You know, he set up the goal with a, a decent cross. He had to do an awful lot chugging up and down that wing where where Leighton Baines was 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 drowning. So. You know, I just think that a it has to be put into some context of the the job he was asked to do and, and forced to do by circumstances, uh, and I think nothing too much should be lost by putting Sterling as a sort of narrow winger, uh, and I, I would hope that that would just give Rooney a bit of encouragement. Uh, I think you know you've got to remember he's England's fifth highest ever goal scorer. And I think it, it puts him in a position that hopefully he will relish. And I think England have to go for it. Now, if it doesn't work, then maybe Rooney has run out of chances. But I think it, probably the one player I would maybe look to bring into that attacking line is Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's not ready to start yet, I, would, I, I can't imagine. So I think it makes sense to, to pretty much stick with the, the same lineup, probably to tweak Sterling and Rooney's roles around. And if that one doesn't work, then let's come back to that Rooney question. But I think it's a bit harsh to blame him more than anyone else. You know, look at Steven Gerrard had a... Had a pretty hard night Jordan Henderson did Leighton Baines had a terrible night so the idea that Rooney was responsible doesn't make sense okay Matt thanks so much and keep slapping on the factor 50 I'm Alison Rudd and you're listening to the game world cup podcast from the times well let's drag ourselves away from England entertaining though they were and uh another regular item our panini sticker player of the week this is someone who's not English but has uh, caught your eye if you were opening up a packet and had a few spaces left who would you really 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 hope to get in fact who wouldn't you mind having eight versions of because they impressed you so much I'm going to start this with Tim Cahill I was always a bit of a fan of his Um, you knew what you were getting with him incredibly reliable and I hadn't seen him since he'd gone to the uh, American Soccer League I just in New York I just hadn't seen him and all you heard about Australia was that they were they were the weakest team at the World Cup it was going to be really embarrassing and he pops up and he, he looks almost better than he did when he was at Everton. And I was, I was so impressed. And he came close to being a hat-trick hero. I thought he had a fantastic match. So I would want to open a packet with his picture in it. Jonathan? Arian Robin, who for me is just... It's difficult to say that he's underrated because, you know, everyone accepts he's a good player. But I just think in the last sort of four or five years, he's been such an important footballer, um, you know, driving a Bayern Munich team, scoring in, in that Champions League final. And then the way he took that on and um, in the most significant result of the week was the, the, the main player. I just think we're, we're now at a level where, where Robin really is one of the very best players in the world. There's something about him, I can't put my finger on it, he kind of leaves a neutral cold a little bit. Maybe it's the the ability to, to go down a little easily or whatever. But he's, he's such an important player. He's so devastating. You know what he's going to do, um, but it's very hard to stop it, and he was fabulous against I know what you mean, Jonathan, and I think there's something about the way he plays and his demeanour that leaves you a bit cold. But in the flesh, when I've been at press conference with him, he's charming and erudite and modest, really nice bloke. He looks sort of more normal when he's not actually playing football. And also, he's now, it's now, he's now officially the fastest footballer of all time. For that fifth goal he scored, he he ran at 22.9 miles per hour. And no footballer has run faster during a game, apparently. James, who would you like to see in your little packet? My first choice would be Andrea Pirlo. For the beard or Just for everything. The book. If, if, if you coach kids, which I do, and you want to get a DVD of one player and say, take this away and look how he receives the ball, his awareness, his technique... 
it would be him. You know, he, he is, and unfortunately, he's one player that would I'd love to see in the Premier League. We're probably not going to see it, but I just think the way he played against England, he didn't have as good a game as what he did two years ago. But even still, some of the things he did, he's dummy for the first goal where he just comes in and just sucks. I think it was a Glenn Johnson tried to get tight to him, and he's free kick in injury time. To most people, just put that ball down, play it into the corner, try and keep it. But to hit a free kick like that in the last 20 seconds of a game was absolutely superb and I just think he was he was brilliant on the night but he, his technique and the way he sees the pass anyway he is everything that we've, we've always wanted as an English footballman to be like Quick word on Spain I mean I think that probably was the the shock of the opening game so far that they looked I mean the, the worry was going into the World Cup that, that most of the players in the Spanish team they've had big run-ins, they've been involved in big matches, big league deciders, Champions League finals, they were going to be tired and they look tired. Is that, is, is, was that the main problem, do you think, Jonathan, or is, there, is, it, is it just that they were trying to change tactics and they just don't know who they are anymore? You know, I, I, think, I think there were those two factors, but the major one has, has just got to be that uh, these are great, great, great players, but great, great players with so many miles on the clock, as well as the long seasons they've had in, at club level. There's all the travelling the Spanish national team have done over the last sort of four or five years. You know, going to play friendlies in, in Venezuela and, and and all sorts of places like that. And it just looks like it's it, it's a team that that needs refreshment. They were fantastic for 40 minutes. It looked like they were going to control the game and win it. You know, two nil, three nil, the way that 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 team has built a reputation doing. But then. Um, once Holland realised that maybe we can get behind these, um, it became a different game. The word seems to be that Del Bosque is going to keep faith with these with these great players and not really refresh it. But for me, when you look at, you know, it's not it's not that they don't have young players they could bring in. When you look at Yavi Martinez and Koke and, and Mata Cazorla, you know, I think it's time for some of these to come in and maybe a few of the the great heroes to to take a rest. Time for the Miller moment of the week. For those of you who didn't tune in last time, this is named in honour of Roger Miller, who was the big, beautiful surprise of Italian 90. So we're looking for the unexpected delights of the World Cup so far. Jonathan, what's yours from the week of action we've had? Well, I suppose it's not, not unexpected in, in a way, but I, I thought Messi's goal last night, I was at the Maracanã, it was so special to to see him suddenly step up on that stage, having, as we touched on earlier, not actually played particularly well until then. So the surprise was, you know, what had gone before in the game, that he suddenly came alive and did that. And I'm just picking that out as a moment of the week because I do think he's only 26. He scored 21 in 21 for his, in the last 21 internationals he's played. And this sort of slight blot on his CV at international level, I'd expect him to now wipe it away and, and to become a great World Cup player and a great international player too. And I think that goal could be a turning point for him. Mm, it's a moment of the week, Jonathan, but it's not a Miller moment of the week, technically. So, James, see if you can a Miller moment. bring it what, what back. What are we describing as a Miller moment of the week? S- something unexpected. Something unexpected. Does it have to be a footballer? No. No. Well, it's something we discussed before the programme, just seeing the 50,000 Argentina fans in American R last night. That is what football is all about, the atmosphere. I don't think we'll see that in Russia, and we certainly won't see that in Qatar and that is something that made World Cups in my childhood in Spain 82 and Italia 90, etc. And to see an atmosphere last night like that, a game of football, was fantastic. But not unexpected. I don't feel we're really grasping it this week. My Miller moment of the week was the fact that Stevie Wonder has allowed 
for the first time ever, one of his tracks to be used on a television programme. And I don't think the BBC know how lucky they are to have another star as the soundtrack for their coverage of the Brazil World Cup. I'm Alison Rudd, and you're listening to the Game World Cup podcast from The Times. So, looking ahead, England have faced arguably the toughest match in their group, Italy, and now they've got to go out against Uruguay in what is undoubtedly a must-win match. So what do they do? How do they take positives from Italy and apply them to Uruguay, presumably? Or there'll be a bit of a breathing space for Wayne Rooney because everyone will be wondering if Luis Suarez is going to play or not. Um, it's slightly early. It's not till Thursday. But, I mean, Jonathan, what's the feeling out there? Is this? Is, is, do you think Uruguay would, Uruguay, Uruguay would risk playing Suarez if he wasn't quite recuperated? come down to Suarez. It'll be his decision. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of that. I don't think the coach will have much of a say in it, really. Uh, and I think knowing him a little bit, I think he will want to play. Funnily, one of the things that took a bit of the, the, the heat off England, as it were, uh, with the defeat, was the fact that Uruguay lost earlier in the day. I think that's, that's contributed to the, the almost positive mood after, after defeat, because it does mean that if England can go and beat Uruguay, um, they've got an excellent chance of, of progressing. And, and look, you know, the, the the, the qualifying campaign hasn't lied. Uruguay are not the side that they were. They they had they struggled in qualifying, and Suarez apart, um, maybe go down apart. They're not a special team anymore, and they were they were poor against Costa Rica. I don't think that Costa Rica side is going to emerge as one of the the great surprise packages of the World Cup. Nothing for England to fear. Go in the front foot again. Um, maybe a little bit tighter at the back. Um, maybe the the, the the change of position for Rooney, but there's not a lot of need to, to change things. And England should win that game. Jay, I mean, you're, you're, as far as I'm aware, I might, I might be wrong, but I think Uruguay are the only team that have played 4-4-2 at the World Cup so far. And it did it, it did look slightly Neanderthal, and they did look a bit sluggish as a consequence. Would you would you th- do you think that was a mistake? Do you think they'll just mix it up tactically? I think they will. I think if uh, Mr. Suarez comes back, which I think he will, do I think his whole operation was done to be fit for the second the second games. So I'd be amazed if he doesn't play. But what they do, Alison, they, they play a four four two, but Luis Suarez will drop very very deep. So the actual two in midfield will create a little overload. It'll actually be a three against the uh, the two that that we play really I agree with Jonathan I think if England approach the game in the same way and they go from the start I think they'll blitz Uruguay you know got that pressure building now and I think Uruguay will play better I don't think they'll be as bad as what they were against Costa Rica I don't think it'll be an easy game I expect them to win but but also that the Costa Rica win now puts something on the last game for them where before we all thought, well, they'll just be the whipping boys of the group. But they're, they're now, whatever happens against Italy, we'll go into the England game thinking, well, if we beat England, we're through. So I don't know. I, I can see England getting out of the group and I can actually see England going quite far in this tournament. As a Scot who painfully remembers <laughs> 1990, beware of Costa Rica in the opening <laughs> game. But I always thought that, that having them first would be the, the very hardest time to face them because they would, they would have a certain you know, sort of freedom about them. You'd expect Italy to beat them, and if England beat Uruguay, you'd then expect that to become a shootout that game. But I, I just don't think, and I haven't, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not going to pretend to be the world's expert on Costa Rican football, but I just don't think that team has got three really good performances in it. They've got a good, good striker in Campbell. They've, they've got some athletic players. They've, you know, they're, 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 they're reasonable in most departments. But again, it's just a game that England should win. And I mean, James thinks England will get out the group. Do you think they will, or just hope they will? 
I think they'll get out of the group. I think they'll, it, it's looking like Colombia in the next round, which will be a pretty tough game, I think. But, you know, there are always, always going to be tough games in the knockout stages. My prediction before the tournament was last eight, uh, and, and I'm going to stick with that. Thank you for listening to the game podcast from The Times. Many thanks to my guests, the Croft brothers, Jonathan Northcroft and James Scowcroft. We'll aim to have a guest direct from Brazil every Monday for the rest of the World Cup, so make sure you press that subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss out. And also read the latest news from Brazil, from The Times. We have the best writers in the business. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Tim Montgomery, the presenter of another Times podcast from the opinion pages called Did You Read? It's the perfect weekly snapshot of some of the best writing in the newspaper. Find out more by heading to thetimes.co.uk slash comment central and search Did You Read? to subscribe on iTunes. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings so you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.